The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today I'm just here with you alone. <laughs> We're talking about body image and mealtime and making mealtime as unfraught as possible and ideally joyful. Perfect timing because many of you just had Thanksgiving potentially or family meals, and it just inevitably comes up. Eating is meant to be a source of connection and joy, but it can also be a source of memories from really bad experiences, body image challenges, and ways of feeling or being judged. So that's what we're going over today. And I'm pulling a lot of this from my book. If you haven't ordered it already, it's The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans. Have I mentioned that I want you to pre-order it? (laughs) Have I mentioned that enough? So what I want to talk about first is that there's a fundamental of being a human when it comes to, you know, functioning. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to move. Those fundamentals are kind of non-negotiable. And we don't talk about them that much with this podcast because apart from how to get kids and ourselves to do those things, this is typically just an expected part of the deal. But what I want to talk about isn't the, you know, what anybody's eating or how anybody's eating. I want to talk about that even though it's a basic human need, it is one of those things that ends up being super fraught. So the first thing that I want us to do is start from a place of balance. If you notice yourself getting into power struggles with your kids around food, just take the opportunity to get yourself grounded enough in what really matters so that it doesn't become a battleground because you cannot control what goes into someone's mouth. But when you try to, really as we all know particularly mothers it is it's fraught it's inevitably fraught so i have this strategy in my book that is uses the acronym balance and i'm going to translate it here so that we can use it for this topic so here are the steps of balance breathe is the first step you cannot skip this step inhale deeply through your nose Exhale through your mouth. If you skip this step because it seems minor, you're missing so much because this is how we get ourselves into a place where we can actually make choices. Are you noticing when you breathe that you can feel where your body is, that you have access to what's going on for you? Then acknowledge That's where the A is. Acknowledge your own baggage. So ask yourself, what does mealtime bring up for me? What was mealtime like when I was growing up? What did I feel about my body? How was food and my body connected? Did anybody make comments to me? Did one of my caregivers make comments about what I was eating, how much I was eating, how little I was eating? How did it feel? And just Ask yourself, how do you feel about your body right now? Does that impact your enjoyment of mealtime? Do you think about your children's bodies and wonder, 
if that meal that they're having is having an impact on their body and how they feel about their body. So you're going to ask yourself those questions and you're going to answer some of them. You're not going to be able to answer all of them, but you're going to recognize it's not unfraught having a family meal. There's stuff and I need to let that go. That's the L, let it go. You can unpack the baggage later on your own timeline, but you want to try and let go of the past so that you can be present for your kids. If you've made the decision, which I hope you will, to have mealtime be a source of joy and connection and not fraught, then you want to put the past and the future on the side and just be present in the moment so you can just ground yourself in this experience. Recognize that if you have young children, they need to grow autonomous and understand if they're full or hungry or what's going on for them, how to feed themselves, and that those actually really matter and make the experience better. When you fixate on how many bites they have, you've already lost a little bit. Now, don't be hard on yourself because that's very natural. We're parents. We want to make sure our children are nourished. But let's not fixate on those details. Let's think of the the mealtime as a source of joy and connection. And the minute that you get into a power struggle, you're kind of losing that. If you have older kids, it can be so tempting to want to control, to want to comment. It can be tempting to also be so afraid of controlling and commenting that you're not enjoying yourself. Try to just be there. Assess. So the A in this part of the word balance is for assess. Take stock of this moment. Gauge your own and your child's state of mind. Are they hungry? Are they asserting autonomy? Do they have a physical need that needs to be addressed? Or are you addressing things for them because you're projecting? Make an assessment of what they need. Do they want to share a laugh over a yummy bite? Just notice. That's the N. Notice. Observe what's going on in your own body. What's going on in your child's body? What are you guys going through? What do you need? And then connect. Let your child know verbally or just with your body language that you see them, that you care about their feelings, that this is just a time for joy and connection, and it is not a time to fixate on any of the other details of the mealtime. And then engage. So now you're in balance. This, when you get used to it, takes all of one minute, but it helps you start the meal, or maybe you have to do this kind of in the middle of a meal if it starts to get fraught. And it allows you to choose your response if your kids are picking up their phone during the meal or if your kids are ignoring you or if they're playing with their food or if they're throwing their food or if they're rolling their eyes, then you can be in a place where it's not fraught. You're not thinking about how much time you spent cooking or, oh, my God, if I don't make sure that they eat healthy food, they're going to grow up into a really unhealthy person or any of that stuff. So you're in balance and now you have an opportunity to make a decision about whatever rules you have for your mealtime and then letting the rest go. This is the place you want to be, the balanced place you want to be when you have a meal with your kids to alleviate all of the nonsense and just focus. Okay, in this digital age, 
there are just things that we have to make sure we're protecting, like our information. And there is a service called Incogni that provides improved protection from hackers, cyber attacks such as phishing or identity theft, those things that use your personal information to target you, total strangers accessing your most personal information, including your address, your phone number, even where you hang out on the weekends. These are really very disturbing things that can happen with all the benefits of the digital world. And Incogni is a service that helps you take back your data. It helps you protect your family from giving too much information into the world. Incogni takes control of your data privacy. Data brokers collect your personal information and they sell it to other companies with just a few clicks of the mouse. Incogni wants to help you take back your data just as easily as people give it away. Use the code goodhumans at incogni.com slash goodhumans. That's I-N-C-O-G-N-I dot com slash goodhumans to get an exclusive 60% off your annual Incogni plan. Live Conscious has an extra little something for your coffee if you have to have coffee like I do or something that you can have just on its own called Beyond Brew. And it is the deliciously balanced dose of wellness your body and brain crave. There's Awakened Brew with their potent blend of six super-powered organic mushrooms, including lion's mane and reishi, plus powerful pre and probiotics for digestive support. That's so important. And they designed the formula to support sharp cognition, gut and immune health, and overall feel goodness. Here's the thing about Beyond Brew is that it can be your new morning ritual by itself. Or if you are like me and absolutely unwilling to kick the morning coffee habit, you just add it to enhance your morning coffee, your morning smoothies, a bowl, whatever. And you have this delicious blend of all the stuff you know you're supposed to have because we just know that there are certain things that our bodies just do better with. Plus, Live Conscious has a partner Eden Reforestation, which is committed to planting a million trees, one tree for every purchase made. And so with Live Conscious, you're supporting a company that's supporting our planet. For a limited time, get your next purchase of Beyond Brew with an exclusive 15% off. For Raising Good Humans listeners only, simply use the promo code HUMANS on weliveconscious.com. Now, here are some specifics about mealtime that can alleviate some of the tension. First of all, mealtime should be diverse nutrition without the drama. Are any of these voices in your brain? That mother doesn't feed her children enough. That's a lot of carbs. Have some more, but not too much. You don't want to get too big. Many of us have generational baggage around eating. We have generational baggage around scarcity. We have generational baggage around body image. It is completely understandable that we sometimes bring a lot of extra stress to the table. Okay, I'm going to give you an example in one of my groups where one of the moms, let's call her Juliet, wants to make sure her kids eat full meals. So she ends up making four different menus. She has a menu for the adults, and then she has a menu for each one of her kids. And then each one gets to eat one of those meals, all watching TV from her bed, because 
She's so tired and frazzled, she gives up. And then let's call this other mom in my mom group, Ella. So she follows all the guidelines she got from her pediatrician. She's counting how many bites her kids have. She feels like real frustration when the numbers are off. She feels really bummed out when they're not getting all the different colors of foods that they're supposed to have. For both of these moms, there is a path back to the middle of the road. And in the absence of a medical situation, we don't need to count bites and we don't need to make special meals. We really just need to pay attention to ourselves. And if we're paying attention to that level of minutia, that's just a little tiny flag to give ourselves an intervention. This is all we need to focus on when it comes to feeding our kids. And and of course, I'm not saying this as a nutritionist. I'm saying this as a developmental psychologist. So you do you with nutrition, but we just need to provide them with nutritious and diverse food options. Of course, you want to prioritize available organic fruits and vegetables and deprioritize sugar and processed foods. You want to establish some limits to protect your domestic labor. And you don't need to worry about what other people eat. From my perspective as a developmental psychologist, what matters is that we focus on positive experiences during mealtime. So many of our issues with food and nutrition can be shed if we just focus on the experience of eating in the moment. Okay, so now you've decided that you're going to prioritize the experience of mealtime instead of the minutia of what's part of the meal. I also want to encourage you to think of food as fuel, a little bit of delight, but it's not a reward. It's not a punishment. It's not a source of guilt. It's not a source of shame. And it's not even, and this one's hard, an expression of love. Having said that, I feel tremendous personal guilt that I am not able to make like the kind of delicious, incredible homemade meals that are a great expression of love. But I think there's a difference between cooking to express, you know, that that might be your love language, but it's not about feeding. Those are two different things. So I don't want to knock the pleasure of cooking and being able to give yummy things to your family, but just don't think of it as the feeding part of it is the love. It's our job to provide healthy food options when we're able to, but it is not our job to force kids to eat them. And it's certainly not our job to override their feelings of hunger or fullness because we know better. We want them to know that they know better about their own bodies. By the way, this is going to be true whether you have a two-year-old or a 22-year-old. Just like you can't tell somebody how to feel, you cannot tell somebody whether they're hungry or not hungry. You could ask them a question or you might say, do you think you can hold off for 10 minutes when we start dinner? But you just don't want to get into that. If food becomes a power struggle, it's just an easy way for kids to push back. And you don't need that. Also, consider leaving healthy snacks out on the counter before dinner so that you don't get into any of those arguments. The snacks will probably get eaten and you can always save them, and put them away for later. But I just... I can't express enough that a power struggle is so much easier to end by not engaging in it than proving you're right. This is also true when dealing with picky eaters. Just let them be picky. Doesn't mean you have to be a short order cook. 
it can mean sometimes they're not eating when you want them to. Caveat, of course, is if your doctor is concerned about their growth. And that's a whole other conversation that I have another episode about. Very briefly, you always want to offer at least one thing that any of your kids will eat. That way, even if it's not ideal and they're not getting multiple colors of foods and all of that jazz, at least they're getting some food. Okay. Now I want to get a little bit more into body image baggage because the thing is, I think of how many more mothers than other caregivers, but all of us have had baggage with food, whether or not there were eating disorders involved, how many of us have at some point in our lives struggled with how we feel about our body and how we feel about food in relation to our body. It's so pervasive that it's not even considered disordered unless it has, you know, like certain features. So as with virtually every parenting dilemma, you got to start with that breath and ask yourself if you are noticing something about your child's body, what is it that you're worried about? Is it that you're worried about their health or is it that you're worried about how they'll feel about their body if they eat too much or they don't eat enough? And what is happening for you in those moments? Because for body image, for kids to grow up with a positive body image, they there are three components to think about. First of all, we need to figure out our own, but also perception, ideals, and sense of self. Perception includes how we see ourselves, whether we see ourselves as others do, and how much we focus on one feature of our appearance as opposed to the whole. So fixating is always just a flag to pay attention to. Ideals refer to our notions of beauty, our ideas around how closely reality should match fantasy, and whether we like the way we look. And our sense of self is built on both, our perception and our ideals, and on what we value about ourselves outside of our physical appearance. And so as parents, it starts with us. So one of the things that I talk about in my book is the reflection. That's one of the five principles, because that is where it is on us to be honest with ourselves about how we feel about our own bodies and to observe with as little judgment as possible. I want to say without judgment, but I know that's a hard ask. How do we move through the world? Are we moving through the world self-conscious and ashamed? Are we staring at other people's bodies, feeling envious or judgmental? Are we feeling disgusted? Is there anything that objectifies bodies rather than viewing them as instruments? Is that happening in the conversation? Is that happening inside of our minds? It is totally understandable. It's culture. It's not a judgment call, but it is something so important to pay attention to if you have the expectation that your kids or adolescents are going to have a healthy body image. It's so understandable to have negative feelings about our bodies. We have been raised this way. It is just a constant reinforcement of perfectionism, not to mention the added impact of social media that we did not experience growing up. So our job as parents is to create a sanctuary from that unhealthy world for our kids, not to pile on that negativity. We must be vigilant about quieting that noise in our own heads because you could say all the right things to your kids, 
or not comment at all because you're like, I don't even want to go there because I don't want to treat their bodies like like objects. And I'm going to I'm going to keep my mouth shut and I'm not going to fixate on food and I'm just going to enjoy the meal and we're just going to connect. But you still have to do the work on yourself and just notice when you walk through the world how you're viewing your body and other people's bodies. And if you have these struggles, that's okay. That is, I I would be very surprised if anybody listening to this is like, no, I've never thought about it. But it's just about kind of making peace with your own experience so that you can be there for your child without all of the cycles of punishment and and negative messaging around bodies and food that can just follow you through adulthood. Here is my usual pitch for Skylight Frame because I love it so much and I think it makes such a good gift and it's gift giving season. So you have to order your Skylight Frames if you're looking for a meaningful and personal gift for anybody who's not living near you. Or, you know, frankly, if you just have a teenager who goes in their room and you really want to see them and share fun things, you can get it for them and send them pictures and remind them of what you look like if they're not hanging out with you that much. So what's cool about Skylight Frame is you can send it wrapped and already loaded with awesome pictures, but you can also in real time send new pictures. So every day can just be a source of connection. May I say it is in this era where social media is becoming increasingly unpleasant to say the least. It is a great way to privately share photos, especially photos that are of your kids because Those are just a different kind of thing that you might not want to post online for other people. So as a special limited time offer for Raising Good Humans listeners, you get $15 off your purchase of Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash humans to get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame. Just go to skylightframe.com slash humans. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash humans. Okay. So this is going to be the kind of week where you're going to start to plan out Thanksgiving. You're probably focusing on lots of exciting meal prep and family stuff, or maybe you're going to be a house guest and you don't have to worry about it. All I know is this is a great week to give yourself a break and try the weeknight recipes from Pillsbury. Pillsbury has these ridiculously delicious, definitely not for every day, crescent rolls. With Pillsbury crescents, you just make it easy as fill, roll, and bake. You just put something yummy inside the crescent rolls, roll it up, and voila, you have a meal in a roll everybody's happy. You can make a pizza crescent roll. You can make a cheese crescent roll. You can make a chicken sandwich crescent roll. There are so many recipes you can find. Pillsbury in the dairy aisle, it gives you dinner prep, including cooking time in 30 minutes or less, way less when it comes to the prep part. It's pleasing for the kids. And, you know, you got to mix in the healthy with the fun. So, Find more weeknight dinner recipes at pillsbury.com. Use this opportunity to just kind of make, make an easy night for yourself. Okay, so 
Having talked about body image and food and food as this point of connection and a path to autonomy more than the actual nutrients themselves and the exact foods, I want to just give you six tips to make family meals a little bit easier. Eating together as a family is associated with so many positive outcomes and it's associated with lower instances of things like depression, anxiety. It's associated with better academic performance, higher self-esteem. It's partly because it's about time spent together. So if you have those meals together and it's really about connecting, you are building resilience because you are building relationship. Pick any meal. You want to get five meals together a week, ideally. More is great, but at least five. But that doesn't mean it has to be five dinners. It can be three breakfasts and two dinners. It can be any combination. And sometimes when you have younger kids, it does end up being easier to have breakfast with them more than dinner. And with older kids, it's a really great time to talk to them about what works best for their schedule, but that you definitely are committing to these times. Second, try not to get caught up in where these meals are. Here's the ideal. You're sitting at a table. It's a memory. It's a ritual. But I also recognize that we are people who have busy lives, and I would rather you find a way to share a meal anywhere than feel like, well, I missed it. Forget it because we didn't get to sit down at the table. Even if it has to be a snack at a baseball game, work with what you've got. Three, try not to drive yourself crazy about menus. Making healthy choices is, of course, important. But you don't need to make a fancy farm-to-table meal or take individual orders. You can keep it simple. You can have it ready-made. You can have some things that are freshly cooked. You can make it cereal. It's much more important that you have the meal together than the content of the meal. So if you drive yourself crazy about menus and everything, we all do this. We find that so much of our week has to do with the domestic labor of figuring out the meal and prepping the meal and delivering the meal. So we don't even enjoy the meal itself. So try not to add unnecessary pressure. Add, you know, something new once a week. Don't add unnecessary, you know, they, they have to have such nuanced taste in food that you're fixated on that. And maybe you cook a new recipe once a week with your children, unless it's your thing and you like cooking all the time and then you should enjoy it and there are many benefits. Or create new rituals. So tell, you know, I love rosebud and thorn and feather. That's, you know, a ritual where you can go around the table and talk about the rose of the day. That was something positive that happened. Talk about the bud, which is something you're looking forward to. And the thorn is something that was crummy. And that's always important because you don't want to just only talk about the good stuff. It sort of undermines the feelings. And then a feather is just something that made you laugh. Any ritual will do. If that one's cheesy, you can ask a silly question. You can also like have a funny ritual where once a week you do dessert before dinner or, you know, the Family Dinner Project is a cool program that has conversation starters on their website if you definitely are just stuck and at a loss and you just ask a question like, if you had a superpower, what would it be and how would you like to help people? And you just have this ritual of, okay, every Sunday we do one of our family ritual questions. Again, always remember 
that even when things are a little hokey and you've got teenagers, so they're like not that into it and they used to love it when they were five, that's okay. They'll still be, it's like they're they're going to remember even through those eye rolls. Five, use family meals to share stories about yourself. It's actually really cool to get to know your kids and have them get to know you and your family history by sharing stories. And mealtime is such a great opportunity because then you can have engaging conversations, good stories, and it takes your mind off of watching what they're eating and watching their plate so carefully. Encourage kids to ask you questions that they might have, like teach them how to have table conversations. And six, discuss current events. If your children have big ideas about the world, the family meal is the perfect place to talk about it. Ask them what they know. Right now is a perfect time to say, hey, there's a lot going on in the world. I wanted to check in. What are you learning about in school? Have, have they brought up anything that's going on? Do you have any questions? Are you seeing anything on social media that is uncomfortable or curious or upsetting? Have conversations about current events. You can even make it a space that is so safe that you can have lively debates and discussions, open flow of ideas. It's just like, again, it's it's teaching your kids that they matter, that their opinions matter, that they're learning from you, but they're also teaching, and that this is their safe place to hang and enjoy themselves. Nobody's even talking about food. No one's talking about how bodies are looking or getting healthy or unhealthy because it's an engaged, enjoyable time. And don't forget, this is a personal opinion, so take it or leave it. Family mealtime should be so sacred when you actually are doing it that you put away phones, not under the table, not turned over, but on the table, but out of the room. Because when your phone is in the room, we know that it just... It pulls your attention, even when it's turned around, even when it's out of reach. So send those phones out of the room. Make that a non-negotiable rule that you don't break and they don't break. And even if that means that you can't, you know, show the funny video from the day, that's okay. You'll look at it later. Make family mealtime an actual opportunity for engagement and interaction. And it really only needs to be 15 minutes, but it is a sacred 15 minutes. I hope you have some enjoyable family meals and much less fraught experiences with these meals from listening to these tips. Send me any questions you have on DM on at Raising Good Humans podcast. Enjoy this holiday season. Enjoy these meals. And again, let's fixate on the fun, the joy, the connection, and let's just disregard the bodies, the comments the weight, the actual bites of food, and the minutia. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.